Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? Did anybody just stop to look outside at the beauty of just the snow everywhere? Now, listen, I'm, I'm not a, like, winter guy. I don't love the winter. I used to love it a lot. I love skiing and playing on the snow. But today, there was just something so beautiful about the fresh snow just sitting across our valley. I didn't get to see the foothills. I got here a little bit early for that. But it was just such, it's so beautiful out right now. And I, it's such a reminder of the newness of our God. Amen? I don't know about you, as we step into New Year's, there's all kinds of things that kind of go into my mind and kind of into my heart as we process through, you know, these spaces. And, and what I want to invite you to today as we get a chance to be together, we're going to start a new series here called Life Without Lack. And really the majority of it begins here in a couple weeks together. But I'm going to give you a little precursor today as we get started into this, is just how do we set our lives and our, our minds and our hearts into rhythms that allow us to every day see the goodness of God, recognize the goodness of God in our eyes, and then live out of that place in our relationships with one another. So we're in a journey of discovering that. I don't think there's any perfection found in that in our lives. In fact, as I look around today, there's obviously a number of people that are very afraid of the snow. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, We are Idahoans. We can handle the snow. Um, For those of you that are joining us online, we're glad you're with us. But for those of you that are here, um, you know, as we step into these moments of life, we want our hearts to be calibrated into the right things. We want our minds to be calibrated into the right things. And so as we get into this series, I want to just invite you um, to set your heart on seeking God. And, And I know that's what the intent of our life is every day, but how many of you know we miss the mark of that a little bit every once in a while, right? And so I just want to invite you to step into that with us, into this new year, and all the things that God has in store for your life, for your family, uh, for the people that are around you, and then I would say for us as a church community and what God's doing here in the Treasure Valley. Um, there's some really amazing things taking place in our world, and uh, we want to be a people who listen to God and respond to what He's doing, and so the way that we do that is by seeking Him. And so we're going to take some time to do that together. And um, before we jump into today's message, I just want to take a, a few moments and thank a few people for some great things. How many of you guys noticed that our building looks a little bit different on the outside when you drove up today? Come on now. All two people clapping. Come on now. No, it looks fantastic. We've had some work going on really the last couple months. And Mark and his team with Elijah uh, painted the outside of our building. And then we had to wait a little bit of time for our siding guys to come and put the metal up and get everything taken care of. But it looks amazing. I'm so grateful for people and their skills. Pastor Chris and Joel have been working on that kind of spearheading, working with uh, um, the, the contractors that we use for that. And our gutters get put up this week, in fact, tomorrow. Might have been a little late, but we'll be okay. Gutters will still work even even uh, with the snow and all that fun stuff going on. And so, anyways, we've had some really great things going on in the exterior. We do these things to maintain and steward the resource that God's given us as a church. And for a long, long time, we've had wood and all kinds of stuff out there. And how many of you know it just kind of gets old and rotten over the time? 
And so it was fun to be able to put a kind of a fresh new look on our building and facility. We've been blessed with an incredible facility here um, that generations before us stewarded very well and now have given to us to steward. And so I'm just grateful to, to get to be able to do that. I also want a huge thanks to Terry. I don't know where he's at today, but Terry came about 6 o'clock. There he is back in the corner back there. Terry came about 6 o'clock this morning, 5.30 or 6, cleared off our sidewalks for us, snow blew everything, put ice melt out. Can we give a round of applause to Terry? Terry, thank you so much. Appreciate you doing that. It takes all of us, right? And um, I'm just so appreciative for the church community that we have and the fun that we get to have together in this journey of life. Life's not always fun, um, but when we're walking with other people and we get to see the goodness of God around us, how many of you know our perspective can change a little bit in and through that process? And by not fun, I know that many of you have family members and friends, we're experiencing this in our own family, who are sick right now. You gotta love the wintertime, don't you? And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. When you hear about other people who are maybe wrestling a little bit physically, um, needing some help, can we step in as the body of Christ and the family of God together? And, and you guys do that in such extraordinary ways. I know over the Christmas break, we had a lot of our church community that was sick, and many of you took meals and called and texted and just let people know that you were thinking about them. And I think that's a beautiful thing about us being the body of Christ is we get to do that together. My wife is at home with two little girls that are sick right now, and so it's just, it's part of the journey. How many of you know these bodies are not perfect? I mean, mine's pretty close. I understand that. There you go. Had to wake you up a little bit this morning. But these bodies are not perfect, and they weren't meant to be. But by the grace of God and what we got to celebrate this morning, that, that God has purchased healing and all of those things for us. And one of the most beautiful examples of healing is that our bodies can go through sickness and come out the other side alive. You guys with me? Um, that's one of the grace gifts that God's given to us. But we also want to pray for physical healing for one another and know that God does signs and wonders and miracles as we pray and believe. And so I just want to encourage you to have that kind of faith. And as you know, people are sick, pray for them, encourage them, shoot them a text, call them, do all the things that we know to do to be the body of Christ together. And um, how many of you know it just makes those times of being sick just a little bit better? Um, they stink. They're not fun at all. But when we know that other people are with us and praying for us and with our families, um, that's a big deal. And that's what the church family and the body of Christ is for. And again, I just want to say thank you for being awesome at that. It's fun to be a part of a church community um, that uh, understands that and cares about that. As we head into this new year, here's what I want to tell you for sure. I have no idea what's going to happen this upcoming year. How about you? No? No, but here's what I do know, and we sing about it this morning, we, that we have a God that knows the beginning from the end. And he's walking with us and our world and our community and our family and our schools and all of these places. He knows what is best in all of these seasons. And so what we get to learn how to do is trust in the goodness of God. And there's loss that comes to our lives. There's things that we experience. There's relational difficulties. And all of those things are part of this human journey. And I have no idea what that's going to look like in 2024 for you. But here's what I want to promise you that Jesus promised you, that in this world you will have trouble. You're welcome. In this world you're going to have some trouble. There's going to be some things that hit your life this year, and I don't know how we're going to navigate them all, but here's what I do know by the grace of God and our love for one another we're going to make it through. We're going to make it through. And God's going to do some things in us and form our character and shape us and build bonds of relationship together. And you're going, to, you're going to get to know and love some of the people around you in some different ways because we go through some stuff in 2024. And guess what? There's also going to be some amazing things to rejoice in in 2024. 
But here's the challenge that we face in our world oftentimes. We get so fixated on all of the stuff that's going on that we forget about what the meaning of this journey in life is all about. And I want to invite you today to go with me on a journey for the next 21 days that will set your heart in a place of kind of recalibrating our lives around the truth of God's Word. Here's, here's a statement I just want to share with you this morning as we get our hearts aligned. I believe the answer to all the struggles in life, fear of the future, and the challenges that we have as followers of Jesus is found in a deeper understanding of who God is. A drawing close to Him and seeing Him for who He truly is. If you've been joining us in our reading plan as a church, we've been, we started on January 1st, and we're doing a reading plan together, and we're going through the entirety of the Bible, and we're doing it chronologically, and so we started in some books out of Genesis, and then chronologically, it actually leaps to this space of Job. And we've been in Job for the last uh, three days, am I right, those of you that are processing with it? And any of you can join us, it's on, on the website and app, we'd love to have you come join through us. But we're reading through, and we've been reading about a guy named Job. How many, Job, how many of you know Job did not have the easiest journey in life? In fact, most of us, we read the book of Job and we're like, yeah, God, I don't want to be him. I just, I don't want to join into his journey. But as I've been reading, I have been dumbfounded by the beauty and the wonder of God in the process of a man dealing with what I would say, and probably most of us would say, unjust things going on in his life. Things that there aren't good explanations for, but processes that he was going through. And in that journey, and I wrote this in the little talk about it space this morning, that Job's theology was being formed through his journey and process in life. What is theology? It's just simply your belief and understanding of who God is and how he works in people's lives. And as we head into a new year, I want you to understand that, that as we process this journey of life, each space of it is meant for us to understand God more clearly and our relationship to Him. Who God is, how He works, and what He is doing is revealed through this journey of life. Now, here's what I want to help you to understand today, that your circumstances don't define God. God defines your circumstances. And so when we look at a new year and we look at the things that you're facing in your life, when you think of all the New Year's resolutions or whatever you're bringing into your life at this moment in time, here's what I want you to know. Whether you keep them all or not is not going to make your life necessarily better. But what will make your life better is as we draw closer in relationship with God and we hear the voice of God in our life and His Word uh, ordains our steps and gives us paths to walk in, you will experience the beautiful and wonderful things of life. Why? Because God has an incredible plan for your life and He knows what He's doing. And it's okay to set goals. It's okay to look at a new year and be like, okay, I'm going to cut a few pounds. Or it's okay to look at a new year and say, hey, I'm going to do a little bit better in my finances this year. And all of those things are actually good things to set into our life because it helps us build some rhythms and patterns. But can I tell you, all of those things without God are empty and nothing. In other words, you can accomplish all your weight goals throughout this next year, but if you have not grown in your relationship with God, you will have gained, listen to me, gained nothing. Now, I know we're talking about weight, so actually you'll have lost some things, that's okay. But you will actually, in your life, in your journey, have gained nothing of substance. 
And so what I want to invite you to today is to set your feet on something firm as we head into this new year that will provide for you a great path forward and some things that God might want to do in your life as we come alongside the work of God in our lives on a daily basis. You guys with me on that? And so we are kicking off what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting. We begin every year this way, and it gives us an opportunity to kind of recalibrate our lives around some important things, to set our hearts on some things that maybe have gotten a little fuzzy or out of focus in our life, to maybe silence some of the noise that's going on in our life, in our world, whether it's through media or through your family. We have eight people that live in our home. It's a noisy place, right? Like, there's just some things that we can do in this journey of life to get our hearts focused on the things that are important. And so I want to invite you to that today. And I want to I want to help you with the start of that and the start of leaning into prayer and fasting because here's what I want to help you see prayer and fasting is not necessarily fun. Anybody with me? If you have ever fasted before, worked through the process of fasting, setting some things aside in your life, that is not necessarily a fun endeavor. But it's an endeavor that in our lives as we do it, we begin to see clearer, we hear better, our hearts are not as cluttered, our, our lives are not as cluttered, and so it allows us some clarity on this journey that we're in in life. And, and as we take this journey, as we step into 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to get your heart aligned so that we're doing it for the right reason. You guys with me this morning? I want, I want to help us to understand that identity is the key to the right motivation around prayer and fasting. In other words, your identity You will not earn favor with God because you fast and pray. I just want to put that out there today right in front of everybody. You you don't earn favor with God. He doesn't love you more because you fast and pray. That's not how God works. God's love for you is full and complete. You didn't do anything to earn it. You never will. He solely directs that at you because of a choice of his will as the creator of all things. But he does invite us into intimacy, relationship with him, and how we engage in that relationship with him. There are some things that we do in this life that allow us, that open up the door for that. And prayer and fasting is one of those things that as we engage with it, it opens up some new things in our lives. Now, I have people tell me all the time that they aren't going to to press into prayer and fasting and to the self-disciplines that come into that space because they don't want to get into legalism or a works-based mentality. They want to focus on being rather than doing. And while I understand what people's thoughts and motivations are around that, and I think what they mean, as followers of Jesus, Jesus invited us into abiding in Him, to coming alongside and being near Him, close to Him. That is the, the being component of that, the pursuit of Him. It's not a passive thing. It's not a thing that the, as, as we grow in relationship with God, it's not something that we're doing um, while we just sit on the couch and do nothing, right? The pursuit of Him, abiding in Him, is actually an intentional choice that we make to draw near to Him. It's actually a verb and not passive in it. And so as we think about this space of prayer and fasting, I want to invite you to laying hold intentionally of the things that God has for you in your life by intentionally pursuing Him, the source of those things. 
And we do that with some intentionality. We do that with some care. We do that with some life. We exchange some of the noise of this world and the busyness of our lives for some moments to stop and to abide with Him. Obeying Jesus, I, this is a statement that I, I think is going to ruffle some feathers, but it's okay. Obeying Jesus is never legalism. Why don't you hear that from me this morning? So when we talk about prayer, and we talk about fasting, we talk about the disciplines that we embrace in our lives, obeying Jesus and the instruction he gave us to draw near to him and how to do that is never legalism. It's never legalism. In fact, as we obey Jesus, here's what happens. You find freedom in your life. Why? Because he came to set us free. We often equate things that are hard with being legalistic or a burden to us, specifically in the culture that we live in today. If you've ever coached, if you've ever walked through students through the learning environment, if you've ever been in the workplace, which is everybody, oftentimes hard things in this life we equate with, number one, discomfort, but we also equate with them with being legalistic or the rules that we have to follow or all, all those things in our life. But, but here's, here's what I want to help us today, that your job Upkeep around your house, I can just feel everybody being like, when's the encouraging part of this message? Turning in your schoolwork, building relationships, growing our marriages, listen to me, those are all hard things. They're hard things. But all worthwhile things, wouldn't you agree? I mean, I, I hope you do the dishes around your house. Hope you take out the garbage every once in a while. I hope that you're intentionally thinking about your marriage and your relationship and how to grow that and develop. They're hard things. They're things oftentimes that we don't necessarily in our flesh want to do. But we know that when we do them, there is a byproduct that comes from those that is good and healthy and profitable for our lives. Jesus didn't invite us to a life that was going to be without the task or the process of doing some hard things. You guys with me this morning? In fact, Jesus invited us into the midst of confronting the lie of the enemy in our lives that doing hard things is bad. Doing hard things is actually what grows our character. Doing hard things is what helps us to understand some of our limitations and spaces that we need to grow in. Doing hard things is what opens the door for us to actually lean into some of the relationships from around us and say, hey, I need some help produces some humility in our life. Doing hard things is the very invitation of Jesus to us to be His followers. So I want to invite you, as we step into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, to understand that there's going to be some hard things that we face as we go through 21 days. Now, Some of you are sitting there going, I'm not fasting for 21 days. And I, I just, here's, here's what I want to invite you to. I want you to just go before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do over these next 20 days? Maybe it's a couple-day fast in the midst of it. Maybe it's to cut out some of the noise of, of electronics and social media. And Can I just tell you, we'd all be a little healthier if we had a little bit less of that volume going on in our lives, right? Maybe it's to turn off the TV and maybe open up our Bible. Just be committed to that. Instead of, hey, watching TV in the evenings, we're going to spend some time over these next 21 days and just dig into the Word of God together. Maybe it is some fasting and food in these areas of our life to produce some hunger inside of us to go, I'm setting aside these pleasures of my life to seek after you more, God. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we get going, but here, here's the challenge to these spaces for us is that 
we get a choice on how we're going to pursue God. This is the thing I love about about God and his relationship with us. He doesn't say, you must do all of these things in order to be in relationship with me. He invites us into some things in our journey in relationship with him that opens up and broadens our relationship with him. No different than if I were to look at David and say, hey, David, I want to be friends with you. And David's like, meh, you're weird, but okay. The only way for David and I to grow our relationship together is for us to spend some time together. So that would entail me giving David a call or texting him and saying, hey, bro, I'm getting ready to go do X, Y, and Z. Do you want to come along and do that with me? And David has a choice in that moment, does he? Do I want to hang out with Tim? Right? He has this process that he's working through in his life of, is this something I want to invest my time and energy in? Now, if his answer is yes, because I want to get to know Tim better, then he will make the choice, the hard choice, to forego the other things that he may want to be doing and to lean into that relationship with me. Can I tell you, our relationship with God is no different. It's no different. He invites us into relationship with him. In fact, if you read the scripture, it's this love invitation to us constantly to draw nearer to him to get to know him more, and to understand that he's actually the treasure in this life that we're looking for. But it requires of us saying, Lord, I will come. I choose you. And that's what these 21 days help to calibrate in our life, is the pursuit of God and the pursuit of getting to know him more in our lives. We set aside this time at the beginning of the year so that it's almost like a tithe of our time and our life to say, God, as we enter into this year that's ahead of us, we're setting aside this time to pursue you, to get some clarity on what you have for us, God, and to say yes to you in some very intentional ways. Now, I just I want to tell you a personal testimony of my life. Um, as a young man, I've been in this church for some years. Um, as a young man, we did seasons of fasting and prayer when I was a teenager. and I began to learn about it at that point in time in my life, the significance and the impact that it had for us as followers of Christ. Now, if I'm being honest, it's not something that you hear taught on in very many churches. You guys with me? Like, in fact, in most church spaces, I don't know if the topic of fasting ever comes up. I'm not, not joking. Not, again, not picking on other churches. We have wonderful churches in the Treasure Valley. I'm just saying it's not a topic that is often brought up. And the reason for it is, is because it addresses the comfort side of our life. And here's the reality. We are Americans, and we like our comfort, right? And so when you start to touch on those areas in people's lives, you know what happens? People don't come back to church often. But here's what I want to invite you to. Can I just tell you that Jesus and experiencing him at deeper depths in your life is better than anything else that this world could offer to you? And I'm not saying that to just give a platitude to following Jesus. I'm telling you that because there's some things about God that you don't know about him yet because you have not stepped into some of the things that he's invited you to to learn about him. Fasting is one of those things. A deeper prayer life is one of those things. And he invites us to those, not because he's trying to hurt us, but because he's trying to help us to get rid of some of the garbage in our life and to experience him more fully. Amen? And that's the invitation. I've experienced that in my life probably for about the last 25 to 30 years of just these rhythms of fasting and prayer, not just at the beginning of the year, but in the seasons that we enter into in in pursuing the heart of God. Fasting will bring a clarity to your life like nothing else will. 
Because we, we remove all these distractions and we say, Jesus, I'm, I'm intently coming after you. It reminds me of, of Jesus when he invited three of his disciples to come up higher on the mountain with him. We gathered together as a staff earlier on this fall. and Pastor Larry, one of our apostolic leaders, spoke this word to our heart just about Jesus. And when he went to the mount and, and he was saying there, and the Mount of Transfiguration. How many of you guys have heard that story in Scripture? And the really cool thing is there was three disciples that got to come up with them to that in the level. And here's what they experienced. They didn't experience just the heavens roaring, all those kinds of things. They experienced and saw Jesus differently than they did when they were down below. And here's what the Lord invites you to, and me too, in these seasons of fasting prayer, to come up higher and to see Him differently. To experience Him in ways that you couldn't down in the valley. To set aside some of the other things that you could be doing, and to come experience Him in the grandeur and the wonder and the awe of Him in a different setting in a different place. Fasting will put you into a different setting in a different place in your life to experience God in some really, really beautiful ways. It's transformed my life. I can tell you I probably wouldn't be standing here today. I don't even honestly know where I would be in my relationship journey with Jesus without seasons of fasting and prayer that have helped calibrate my life around Him. And I want to invite you to come and look at this season of fasting and prayer, maybe with some, some, some new eyes for you. So, so let me talk about prayer and let me talk about fasting and the vehicles that they are to our life. So we, we combine this season of prayer and fasting because prayer connects us to God, His will, and His power. Some of you need to write that down. Prayer connects us to God, to His will, and His power. That's why we enter into these seasons of fasting and prayer. This is actually why I would encourage you, your prayer life every day is far more important than you even understand. Communion with God, fellowship with Him, conversation with Him is far more important than you could ever comprehend. Prayer is a big deal in our life. Here's the other part that I want to invite you to. Prayer, during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to invite you into some deeper spaces with the Lord. I want you to come and spend some time with us corporately. We're going to be gathering here on Saturdays at 10 a.m. And we're just going to take about an hour and we're going to pray together. Oh, Tim, I feel a little uncomfortable being around other people in prayer. It's just not something I'm very used to. Perfect. That's what this is for. It's for you to come and experience that time with some other people and grow that skill and that opportunity in your life. We have a blast here. It'll be an amazing time. We just gather together. We pray for about an hour. There's lots of things that we do. It's very family-friendly. Parents, bring your kids. It'll be a great experience for them. Individuals, come and join us. Maybe you'll meet some new people and just enjoy some time pursuing God. So we'll be doing that Saturdays at 10 o'clock right here. We want to invite you to come be a part, but I want to encourage you to be doing a deeper space of pursuing God in prayer in your daily space as well. Why fasting? Let me help you with fasting. Fasting disconnects us from the distractions of this world. Now, we could spend probably a couple hours just talking about the distractions of this world. Does anybody in this room get distracted by maybe your cell phone? Anybody ever been there? Jace, thank you for being the first and being honest. Here, here's how I know that this is a very real thing. Our family wrestles with this constantly. You guys wrestle with this with your family, your friends, people that you're hanging out with. You're sitting there together in the same room, and nobody is saying anything to anybody. And if you look across, everybody's like this, right? In fact, one of the most ironic moments... Uh, New Year's Eve, we went with a bunch of people down to Hagerman and went to Hot Springing and had a great time. And afterwards, we were going to have some food, and um, we're sitting at this middle table. There's about 35, I don't know, 35 of us, maybe. 
Um, we were sitting in the middle table, and there were booths kind of all around. We went to this old train station, train depot um, down in Buell. And we were sitting there eating, and I look up, and here is, I'm not going to mention, but the, a group of folks that were sitting in a booth right across from us that were us. They were our group. And as I look over, I think there were eight of them, and every one of them had their phone like this. They were literally sitting like three inches from each other, not saying a word. They were distracted. Instead of being in the moment with the people that were around, oftentimes we are so distracted that we can't even be present with one another in these space. Do you know we do the exact same thing with God? Can I tell I love having my Bible on my phone. It's a wonderful, cool technological gift. But it's also one of the greatest distractions in my life when it comes to spending time with Jesus. Because I'm sitting there, and if I'm reading the Bible on my phone, oftentimes I'll listen to it on my phone, and then all of a sudden there's this ding. Anybody ever heard that before? What happens in that moment? Let me help you understand physiologically. You have an endorphin dump that goes into your brain and releases this desire inside of you that says, I have to see who texted me. I have to see what's going on. It's no different than taking a hit of alternative drugs. It's not. If you do the research and say, exact same thing. It's a distraction, and it triggers something in us that causes us to lose the power of that moment and be distracted into something different. Church, we've, we've got to learn how to put aside some distractions so that Jesus and us can have some time together. So that our attention can be on him and it not be divided with the 19 other things that we've got going on in our lives. This is honestly why I spend time with the Lord in the morning. Because if I get too far into my day, I've got too many things rattling around inside of here. And it's just very hard for me to give my full attention to them. Fasting and prayer is a time where we make a decision to say, I'm setting aside some of these distractions. And Lord, I just want to come and I want to be with you. How many of you know it's hard Every summer we take our, our family up and we go to a place up in Riggins and there is no cell phone coverage, there's, no te- there's nothing there. And, and our family literally for the first two days I just watch people, it's like, it's like this, this twitch, everybody's like, they don't have their cell phones, they don't, we don't even know what to do with ourselves, like we're freaking out. And about day three-ish, all of a sudden we're like, man it's so beautiful up here. We're playing games together. We're going fishing. We're playing in the river. And we don't even care about our phones. Like, they're just not even a thing. Why? Because we had to have a little bit of a detox in order to get us to the place where we just got to be like, oh, this is awesome. This is wonderful. Church, that's what fasting and prayer is about. It sets us aside. And here's, here's, here's what I wanted to encourage you, that fasting, the reason we partner the two, because fasting Without prayer is what? It's a diet. Fasting without prayer, it's just a diet. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm not a health you know, coach or professional. We have a number of people here that could probably coach you in that better. But there's nothing wrong with, let's put it this way, disciplining yourself in what you eat. Okay? But there are some wonderful benefits of seasons where we actually fast and we set a lot of things aside and say, God... I need you. But here's what I want to help you with. Fasting, just not eating something or not eating a meal. or not. If you don't do anything with that time other than just stay busy doing other things, then it's really not benefiting you from a spiritual growth standpoint. 
So if you're going to fast, pray. The time that you would have spent doing whatever you were doing fasting, whether it's media or it's food or those types of things, engage that time into conversation with the Lord and watch your prayer life go, whoop, go grow. Why? Because we're making room for it. We're making space for it. Jesus said it like this. Let me, let, let's get to the Bible. You guys want to jump into the Bible if you listen to me a lot. The Bible, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Jesus, then Jesus said to his disciples, I just want to make a proclamation to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you are his disciples. So the communication that Jesus was speaking to his disciples is communication that we need to hear as we follow Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. If any of you want to be my followers, that's me, Lord, I really do. You must give up your own way. Oh, um, about that, Lord, right? This is not a denying that you exist. It's an embracing that Jesus' way is better than yours. And there'll be more to come out as we, we dig into this Life Without Lack series. But I, I just want to prep your heart from that. The denying yourself, saying no to yourself, again, is not saying that Lydia doesn't exist. Clearly, she's right there, right? What it is saying is somebody else's way is better than my way, and I'm submitting to that way. And that's what Jesus was saying here. goes on to say, take up your cross, oh, that sounds fun, and follow me. This is what Jesus is saying. Come on, let's go. If you want to follow me, come on. Do what I do, live the way that I live. It's an invitation. It's an invitation from the one that we say that we're following. If you call yourself a Christian, then by definition, what that means is I am a follower of Christ. I'm imitating him. And that's what he's inviting the disciples to. Verse 25 goes on to say, and if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will be saved. What is Jesus inviting us to? To be all in with him. To be all in with him. To say, Lord, all of these other things that I have in my life, the wonderful things that we have, our nice homes, our jobs, our friendships, our relationships, all of those things are good and can be important in our life. But Jesus, you are the centerpiece to all of that. The centerpiece to your way is better than my way. Verse 26 goes on to say, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything, is anything worth more than your soul? Here's what I want to help us to understand this morning. The cost to the journey that we're in of following Jesus, it will cost us everything. And the invitation that I'm inviting you to this morning is the cost that you will pay the decision you will make to put your trust fully in the person of Jesus Christ will be a decision that throughout your life you will look back on as you get to know him more and more and more and more over time and go, that's the best decision I've ever made in my life. It's a journey, though. On the front end, we're thankful to be forgiven of our sins. In fact, most of us, when we first made a decision to follow Jesus, that was the best moment. Like We are recognizing, holy cow, all these dumb things that I've done throughout my life, all the things that I've done to hurt other people, that Jesus went to the cross to pay for that for me, sign me up. I'll take it. And then as we get on in our journey, we start trying to earn those things from God instead of abiding in the grace that he provided and learning how to live out of relationship with him. And so what it does is it puts us into this mentality that now we're trying to do it our way, not his way. 
And this recalibrates us to come back and to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, it's only because of you. Period. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. So Jesus gives us gives the instruction to his disciples to come and follow him, do what he did. Jesus makes this statement. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it out there exactly how it's written. Here's what it says. And when you fast. Jesus speaking to his disciples here. He's talking to his disciples and he says, and when you fast. So River Valley, I'm going to look at you this morning as you're a follower of Jesus. I'm going to say, and when you fast, when you engage in those spaces of your life, because as followers of Jesus, this is an implied thing from Jesus here. He's He's not like making this up as this radical wild thing. Jesus is just saying, when you fast, as part of your journey of following me, Jesus clearly assumed that we would fast. Like this was just the declaration he was stating here. Once again, I want to remind you in this that when we obey Jesus, when we walk in Jesus' way, it's never legalism. It's never legalism to follow in the things that Jesus invited us to follow him in. It will always bring fruit and transformation to your life when we do it out of the identity that Jesus, I am a follower of you. My life is submitted to you. He didn't give the details on the length of their fast. Notice that. He didn't give the details on the timing of their fast. He didn't even tell them necessarily what they were fasting. Jesus just said, when you fast, right, let your heart be calibrated like this. Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled and right. So people will admire them for their immense spirituality, right? That they're fasting and oh, look at them. They're so godly, right? I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get. What does that mean? It just simply means that when you enter seasons of fasting, much like we're doing together as a church family, as we enter into these times, this is not a competition between Jeremy and I about how good we are at fasting. This is not a competition about what I'm fasting and what he's fasting. This is a reality where we say, Jesus, we're coming after you together. Collectively, we're going to come after you, Jesus. And, and there's some things in my life, Lord. And, and what would you like me to set aside in this time and this space? And we listen to the Lord and we respond to him in that space. And you know what we do for each other? We support each other in that journey and process. I don't look at Jeremy and go, bro, you should really step your game up. That's not my heart for Jeremy is I love Jeremy. You know what I want for Jeremy? I want him to know Jesus more through this process. And so whatever he sets aside in his life to pursue Jesus more, I'm going to celebrate that in his life. Why? Because we want to be a people who know our God and who walk intimately with him. How do we do that? We follow Jesus. Jesus said, hey, when you fast, be intentional about it. See, fasting is a simple choice to just deny some things for our flesh and ourselves to pursue a hunger for God that maybe we don't have in the normal everyday spaces of our life. There are seasons of times where we set some things apart in our pursuit of God. And here's what I want to invite you to. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss it. You can walk right by it. People do it all the time. We have this invitation to come and draw nearer to Jesus. And as a church family, we're going to collectively do that together. But I just want to challenge you, don't miss this moment and what God wants to do in your life in it. There's always two sides to anything that Jesus asks us to do in our spiritual lives. 
want you to hear this from me this morning. Same is true with fasting and prayer. Here it is. The denying of ourselves and the death to our flesh, that's part of what Jesus invited us to, but the beauty of it is, is that we are deepening our relationship with God in ways that aren't possible outside of some fasting and prayer. Why don't you think about that this morning? There's some things that you're going to learn about God. There's some things you're going to learn about you. There's some processes that you're going to go through in this season of fasting and prayer that you would not experience other than simple obedience to Jesus' invitation to just come and fast and pray, pursue Him. And you can miss those things by not engaging. You with me this morning? Like we can miss those moments. No different than if David invites me to go hang out with him and I say, hey, you know, like, I'd really like to, David, you're a good guy, but not today. And David goes and does whatever David was going to do. I missed out on the opportunity, both relationship with him and the experience that he had or we would have had together around that. You with me? Same thing with Jesus. These moments of invitation to him, they're, they're an invitation to come nearer to him and we can miss those moments just by simply not engaging with him And it's a choice that he invites us to. He doesn't hold it over us and be like, oh, well, I don't like you anymore because you didn't. No, he just says, man, I I would really love for you to experience me more. I'd really like to come into your life and, and, and show you that I can provide in greater ways than you could even ask or imagine. But I'm, in, I'm inviting you to come and see this part of my nature, right? Richard Foster makes this statement. I love it. It says, for the person longing for more intimate walk with God These statements of Jesus, what we see here in Matthew 16 and and in Matthew 6, are drawing words. Did you hear that from this morning? The the invitation that Jesus put in Matthew 16 and Matthew 6 here, they're not not isolating words to push us away. They're invitational words to come and to see him more clearly, to draw closer to him, to grow in our relationship with him. Listen, Jesus set the example in this. He fasted for 40 days. I don't know about you, I don't think I have the moxie to get it done for 40 days. But here's what I do want to encourage you in, to listen to the Father and to do exactly what He's asking you to do. Because in that place, you will have an encounter with Him, you will have growth in Him, you will conquer some things in your life that you would not have been able to do without obedience to Him in those spaces. So I just want to invite you to to come and draw near to Him in that. Fasting is about our appetites. See, non-essentials can easily take precedence when we crave them and then are enslaved by them. I want to say that one more time. The non-essentials of life can easily take precedent in our life. Let me give you an example. Netflix. Should have talked to this side of the room. Let me give you the example. Netflix. It is a non-essential in life. Some of you guys are looking at me like, oh, now you're touching the the, the golden calf, right? It is not essential. We enjoy it. How many of you guys enjoy Netflix? Come on, yeah, we enjoy it. Some of you are like, no. Uh, It's a non-essential in our life. But here's the reality of Netflix, specifically series. Once you start one, it can suck you into the thing. And the next thing you know, you just watch 16 hours of something that you're like, I didn't even care about that. That wasn't even important. Come on, don't look at me like I'm the weirdo in the room. Right? Like that's the reality. That is the reality of these non-essential things in our life. But we make them as if they are essential. They begin to demand of our lives as if they are essential. 
Your phone, I want to help you, is not essential. It's helpful. It's useful. It has its place. But it is not essential. Do you know how I know that? Because I lived the first eh, 15 to 20 years of my life without one. And can I tell you, my life was probably better then than it is now. All of us have proven that. And yet, at this phase of our life, if I were to honestly look at you, most of you, some of you would be like, ah, done deal. And I would just say to you, put your phone away for a month. Don't even pick it up. I, I can just feel the anxiety in the room right now. Can you? People around you are like, right? Why? I'm going to help you this morning because we're enslaved by it. It holds a precedence or a priority in our life that we aren't even aware of anymore. Can I help you? That's what fasting does, is it opens our eyes to the things that have enslaved us that we look around and go, oh my word, what in the world? Fasting brings some perspective to your life that you don't have in the midst of all the busyness and stuff and all that that's going on around you. Fasting cuts out the noise just long enough for us to be able to look over and go, I don't need that thing in my life. I don't need it. It's not benefiting me. It's not helping me grow. It's not helping my relationships. Right? It gives us some perspective in a moment, can I, can I just say, that we all need, every one of us, me included. We want to get to a place in our life, and this is the invitation of Jesus, that where we, what we are sustained by is Him and Him alone. Now, when we think about that, that just seems like, oh my word, I don't, I don't even know where to get handles on that. Seasons of fasting and prayer teach us that He has more than we could ever think, ask, or imagine. And that all of these other things that we've been utilizing to sustain us in life are actually, in the end, pretty empty. So fasting brings us to some clarity around that in our life. Prayer allows us to connect with God in those moments and go, whoa, God, you are way better than I could have ever imagined. You sustain me in so many beautiful ways. Fasting, finally here, is for your future. Oftentimes we engage in fasting because we want God to answer our prayer about whatever is going on in our life right now. And I'm not going to tell you that He's not going to answer you about what's going on in your life, but really fasting is preparation for the future. There's a reason why we do it at the beginning of the year is because it prepares us, River Valley, church family, for the things that God has in store for us in this upcoming year. And so we're, we're setting our sight. It's kind of like an athlete that does an off-season workout so that when they get to the season, they're not trying to play catch-up first day. I want you to think about that. Uh, in your life, if you're going to prepare for, or you're, gonna, you're thinking about like just the realities of, man, what would I do if somebody tried to attack me and take my wallet or my hurt my family or things like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I, really, I really don't know what I would, I would do in that moment. Can I tell you, when that moment arrives, is not the moment that you want to start preparing. You with me? Financially, in your life, if you look down the road of your life and you go, you know what, my car's probably going to break down at some point in time. 
I should probably save some money so when that happens, I don't have to put it on a credit card or I don't have to borrow from somebody else. So I'm going to have some foresight. I'm going to plan. I'm going to set some money aside so that when that time comes, because cars break down, we have a few young drivers and cars are always breaking down. And if you don't have some money saved aside for those moments, those moments seem catastrophic, don't they? Can I tell you spiritually in your life, if you're not preparing for some of those things that are coming down the road through prayer and fasting, if you're not preparing your heart with some margin, if you're not inviting the Lord to come in and be the sustaining component of your life, that when those hardships come, they're going to reveal the deficit that you have in your life. And we get mad at God all of the time in those moments. We look at God and be like, why are you letting this happen to me? Because cars break down. Why, why, why am I experiencing this in my life, God? And where are you in the midst of it? And God's saying, you know, I've, I've been here the whole time. I, I've just been wanting you to draw near to me. See, fasting and prayer is preparation for the things that are to come in your life. They are not oftentimes for the present moment of the things that are going on in your life. So I want to call you. This is what pastors and elders and leaders do. They encourage you to prepare for what's to come. Remember at the beginning of this message, I told you I didn't know what was going to happen in 2024? I, I hope you're not disappointed with me in that. Because the only one who knows what's to come is the creator of the universe. And so if we need some help and assistance and preparation for what's to come, my thought would be let's go to him. Let's go to him and say, Lord, there's a, there's a whole, whole other year coming ahead of us here. We don't know what that's going to entail. Can I just tell you this more? It's probably going to be wild and crazy. There's going to be some stuff that happens in 2024. Are you prepared? Are you doing what you need to do to be prepared for that moment? When the moment arrives, are you going to look back and go, man, I sure wish I would have saved a little money, or I sure wish I would have prayed a little bit, or I, I sure wish I would have engaged in that fasting and prayer time because I'm pretty sure it probably would have helped me in this moment. Can I tell you, in that moment, there's nothing that you can do about it. It's over and done. Now you get to figure out how to navigate that being unprepared. Jesus never left us that way. Jesus wants us to be prepared for the things that are to come in our lives. He wants you to be prepared for the challenges that maybe your family's going to face in this upcoming year. He wants you to be prepared for the relational dynamics that are going to happen around you in your life. And He wants you to have enough of Him inside of you, that when those moments come, it doesn't derail you and get you off into Nana land. God wants you to be able to have enough of Him in your life that you know and understand that He is the sustaining force for you. He has everything that you need. So that if you were to lose your job for some unknown reason, that you wouldn't in that moment be like, oh my word, what do I do now? Where, where's my money going to come from? Can I help you? If you'll fast and pray, you'll realize that all that comes from Him anyways. He's the provider in our lives. That's why this season is so important, church, and why I want to call you to it, that as we seek God, as we fast and pray together, it changes everything on the inside of us. So I'm going to give you three things as we finish out here real quick. They're going to be super fast. I'm going to challenge you to write these down. Three things that will help you find success as you journey through these 21 days of prayer and fasting. All the resources are on our website. If you want to understand more about fasting, please go there um, in the church app there. You can call us, ask us. We're happy to walk with you. It begins today, and we're going to kind of take the next 21 days. 
But here's three things that will help you on this journey. Number one, make a plan. And by make a plan, I don't mean be like, oh, you know, I I think I might try this out. No, no, no. Write it down. Make a plan. Be intentional about how you're going to pursue these 21 days. And if you don't know, write down, I don't know yet. And then start praying about it. Okay, Lord, what would you have me do over these next 21 days? We ask our kids this question all the time. And there's all kinds of things that kids are learning in this process, right? When they were little, they were like, I'm not going to eat sugar for a week. We're like, okay. How many of you know that just benefits you as a parent? Can I just help you in that? But to them, as they're processing, that's a big deal. And when your kids start saying, you know what? I think the Lord's asking me to, to cut out any video games or any movies, and I'm just going to take that time, and I'm going to read my Bible a little bit. Man, nothing's better than that as a parent. Then when your kids start saying, you know what, I feel like God's calling me to some water fast during this time, just to really set my heart aside, and you begin to watch their hearts come alive in their pursuit of God. Parents, it's one of the best gifts that you can give to your kids. Model to them how to seek God, how to pursue Him, right? But you got to write this out. you got to have a plan. you got to be intentional about how you're going to approach this time. No different then if I were to tell you that there's a marathon coming into your life in July and you should start preparing now, there would be a written out plan daily what you were going to do to be prepared to go run that marathon. Why? Because nobody just jumps into a marathon and goes for it. Nobody. That's a good way to die. Right? You have to prepare. Can I just tell you there's a year coming ahead of you that's going to have some obstacles in it. I want to help you to be prepared. Jesus wants you to be prepared. Write out a plan. Second thing, share that plan with somebody else. Oh, Tim, I don't know about that. Here's what I know about human nature. You can even have a written out plan. But if you haven't shared it with somebody, there's no iron sharpening iron going on in your life. All it is is just you going, eh, maybe I won't do it today. Come on. Is there any other human beings in this room? When we, when we put ourselves into accountability with one another, when we invite somebody else into our life and say, hey, here's what I feel like the Lord is inviting me and committing, inviting me to commit to, would you walk with me in that? What we're saying is, I want your help. I need your help in this journey. Because there's going to be some stuff that I face over these next 21 days where I'm going to want to quit. And I need to know that somebody's praying for me or there to encourage me. Or shooting me a text saying, hey, how's your fast going? I did terrible today. Don't worry about it, bro. Get up and try it again tomorrow. See, that's why we need each other. Write it down. Share it with somebody else. And the final thing, listen to me, number three, it's the most important one out of them all. Don't quit. I don't care as you enter into this 21 days of fasting and every day feels like a reset for you. Okay, I said that I wasn't going to do social media, but I jumped on it again today. Great. Reset, start again tomorrow. Why? Because we are learning the rhythms and processes of how to find victory in our lives through some failure that's going to happen. And here's what many people do in the area of fasting and prayer. They get into it, they mess up, and then they just quit. And they never learn how to overcome the hard, challenging moments of moving through prayer. Can I help you this morning? God is not disappointed with you when you run into an obstacle in your season of prayer and fasting. He's not disappointed with you. He's constantly inviting you to just come deeper. Maybe part of your prayer and fasting is for you to understand that 
you can't do it without Him. And so there's going to be some failure that you're going to experience in that process, and it'll transform your relationship with Jesus. I promise you that because you'll see Him as, as your sustaining force in your life. Maybe there's some things in your life that you're even thinking about right now that the Holy Spirit's bringing to mind. Hey, you need to set this aside, and in your mind you're going, I don't want to do that. I don't want to set that thing aside. I like that thing. Maybe what the Holy Spirit's just trying to illuminate into your heart is maybe that you have some more loves in your life that are taking greater priority than your love for Him. That's an invitation from Him to come. So I want to challenge you this morning as we step into these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Again, there's nothing legalistic about the 21 days. There's nothing special about that time other than that it's the time that we have set apart as a church community to say, Jesus, we want to come after you more. So I want to encourage you to move through this process. To, and as you leave today, as you go home, as you're doing whatever you're doing, to say, Lord, what would you like me to do in this preparation space? Here's what I want for you, my prayer for you is that you would know Jesus more through this journey and process. Because to know Him is the most important thing you'll ever do in your life. And His invitation to us, as His followers, is to set some things aside in our life, to fast, and to get to know Him a little bit more. That's the invitation. It's challenging. There's going to be some hard times in it. There's going to be some moments where you want to give up and quit. There's going to be all of those things that will come to your life. Questions as to, why am I even doing this? This is ridiculous. All of those things will come to you as you go along this journey. Here's what I promise you. If you'll stay faithful to the process at the end of this 21 days and as you look at your 2024 and you get to look back on it, I promise you this moment will be hugely significant in your preparation to all that God wants to do in and through your life this year. If you choose not to engage in this, this doesn't make you a lesser Christian, but here's what I do want to challenge you in. How prepared will you be for the things that are going to come into your life this upcoming year? I want you to be prepared. Life is hard enough. It's challenging enough for us to not take the things that the Lord has given us, the gifts that He's given us through prayer and fasting, drawing near to Him as things that will strengthen us as we say yes to Him in our journey. Amen? Let me pray over you, and then uh, we're going to finish out this morning. God, as we look at this moment in time in history, Lord, we recognize very clearly as we begin a new year, first and foremost, Lord, that we need you desperately. Lord, I just make that declaration this morning, God, in my life and my family, I need you. I need more of you in my life. Lord, I recognize that, Lord, there's things that oftentimes clutter my life, Lord, and distract me from a loving attention to you. And Lord, today what you're doing is you're just inviting us to, to calibrate our lives around pursuit of you. Lord, for each one of us, that's going to look a little bit different. But Lord, I pray where the enemy would come to try and steal, kill, and destroy, Lord, that you would come into our lives right now. And Lord, you would show us exactly what you're inviting us to in this time and season. Lord, that we would choose to deny ourselves to take up our cross and to follow you, Jesus, Lord, into the life that you promised us. And Lord, I pray for strength. I pray for grace. But I pray for wisdom, Lord, as we navigate this time of fasting and prayer that's ahead of us, Lord, that in each one of our lives and our families, Lord, that we would prepare well for the year that's ahead. And Lord, that through this time of fasting and prayer, God, that we would see you more clearly than we've ever seen you before. 
Lord, that our hearts would be calibrated, Lord, to the enormity of who you are, the wonder and awe, God, that simply comes in knowing you. So, Lord, we love you. Lord, we do ask for your grace to be upon us. Lord, I pray every person that leaves here today, Lord, that there would not be a condemning voice, Lord, that would speak to their hearts, but, Lord, that we would simply say yes to you and respond to what you're inviting us to. God, we love you. Thank you for your incredible mercies in our life, God. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.